Sherry Yuan Hunter here from Sandwich Parenting and Recovering Shootaholic. Today's guest, Dave Walker, is a life coach and storyteller. He's the author of Mondays Don't Have to Suck. He shares the story of why he made the shift from corporate to entrepreneurship. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Sherry. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be meeting you today. It's an honor and a pleasure for me to meet you today and talk about a topic that's very much close to my heart. So firstly, uh, thank you for what you do in this world. Um, I think that your writing is uh, vulnerable, um, honest, authentic, and you have a book, Mondays Don't Have to Suck, which I think is a great title. So I'm kind of excited about getting my copy. I'm going to go order that on Amazon. And I wanted to ask you, what is your origin story? Because it's pretty fun. Part of my origin story is in that book. And by the way, don't go to Amazon and get one. I'll, okay. I'll send you all, I'm going to write you a little something just to show my appreciation. I'll send that to you in Toronto. It won't take too long. Very cool. Um, Thank you. Excited. So my origin story. So it, it's interesting because I, I wrote this book. So long story short, I went through what I call my... so. People say, what's your book about? It's it's about my unintentional midlife, life-altering self-transformation. I love it. Uh, and by the way, I, I say unintentional because I didn't I didn't want to to transform. Like I had just got to this point in my life where I was in this really terrible place. In March of 2010, I got to a point where, you know, I, I was in the corporate world. I was working for Deloitte. I'd been there about 15 years, you know, coming out of MBA, the whole stuff. You're having your family, you're buying your cars, you're buying your houses, you're putting in the pools, getting married, checking off the list. And somewhere along there, I just got completely lost as a person. And it took me time. So here I am on March 2010. And I, you know, I joined Deloitte. I weighed 190 pounds. I'm 264 pounds. I was clinically depressed. I didn't even know it. I isolated my from my, from everybody, including my mom, who was my best friend. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know what. I think she's one of the one people that I did stay connected with. Everybody else, including my wife or ex-wife, and I never saw her despite living in the same house. Mm. But my kids, I was connected to. Mm. So I was just eating junk. I was a what's called a functioning alcoholic. So I used mm. alcohol and other all kinds of other really cool tricks, which I'll tell you a few of them to get myself through. So here I was at this point about 10 years ago, and all of a sudden I just couldn't take it anymore. I hit rock bottom and, you know, I went into to talk to the partner at Deloitte who had hired me. And luckily for me, she had noticed where I was at. She was the only person who'd actually noticed how nasty things had gotten. And she put me into another role and I was able to get to the other role. I was able to take care of myself um, physically. My ex-wife and I, you know, we finally got to the point where we, we moved on so that, you know, that part was gone as well. So my book that I wrote about Mondays don't have to suck because every day sucked, but Mondays sucked the worst because my body wouldn't allow me to drink enough alcohol seven days a week. So I couldn't maintain a buzz on Monday. <laughs> so it was, that's why I hated Monday more than everybody else did. So my book talks about the five years of me, how I got to the point where I thought I was, hey, I'm over the hill, everything's great. And then I've realized now that there was another five years that I needed to work on as well. And I realized that the constant across there was my kids. So it was my children and my connection to my children. I think I told you, Sherry, about my concept of the six-legged stool. Oh, yes. Tell, like, tell our listeners this. This is amazing. And in my book, I, I think I only had like four legs or something. And I, I've realized there's another two. So think of the, here's this stool and I've got six legs on it. And, you know, one of them, one of the legs is, you know, my career. One of the legs is my, my, my family, because my mom, my dad, my sister, and my mom, who, by the way, is my best friend as well. When she passed away, my sister became my best friend. Uh, then there's, there's my kids. Uh, there's the, you know, my soulmate quadrant, which was vacant through a, a good portion of this. And then there was the me, myself, and I quadrant as well. And a lot of those legs of the stool just were not evolved enough. I just didn't work on a lot of them. So they were weak. Someone started cracking, breaking. There was neglect physically, mentally, emotionally. You should see there's a picture. I just let my teeth go. Like there's a picture in my book. It's scary. My dentist has made put one of his kids through university because of my, my neglect of my, my teeth <laughs> and the clinical depression didn't come from taking care of myself either. Yeah, yeah. So there was all that that went that finally that stool just started breaking and it fell to the ground. But the, the one piece that was still there hmm. was my kids. 
they were there for me the whole way around. So I don't know what, and they actually were the catalyst for me deciding to really make a big, huge change. The, they were the catalyst for me to actually go and make this change. But that that is kind of my story and where it's gotten me to now. To, I'm, the real me has kind of come out. My mom has helped the real me come out. My kids have helped the real me come out. Uh, incredibly beautiful at so many levels because I just want to reflect that you know, you said you're a functioning alcoholic. And when we are numbing our pain, we all have coping mechanisms, right? So for some people, it might be alcohol. For others, it might be food. Um, for others, it might be other kinds of drugs. Those crutches, addictions, really help us cope, you know, like they, but they're not long-term solutions because it just keeps you in the same environment. And if you're not taking care of all these other the, the six legs, you're not going to be able to keep going. You can't. Uh, but I love what you said about, you know, and this is where the parenting part comes in because your relationship with your mom is this gener- you know, the generation on this side. So it's going upwards. And then your relationship with your children is, you know, is the parenting going the other direction? And to say that they've been the reason, the catalyst for you to what I call do the work, right? Like this is us saying, it's time to do the work, right? Your, your stool fell apart, um, but they are the reasons. They kept you going, their love, their support. Um, and I, I think for many people, we keep going because of our children. Thank you for sharing that. And so there's a career part that you changed. There's a family part that you had to change. And then there's a me and myself part that you had to change. I'm kind of curious, can, would you be able to go a little bit deeper into some of those things? Uh, you, ha- you, you coach now, you know, like th- there's lots going on here. So I'm, I'm interested in the shift. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll share some of that. I'll go through those stool legs and see the things that have changed. And the one that was rock solid as far as I'm concerned, which was my relationship with my children. I've been trying to, in the last couple of days to summarize, what is my parenting style? If I were to use like my love language, are you familiar with the love languages? The five love languages? For those who aren't Google five love languages, love uh, test, self-test, they can go do it. My love language is words of affection. So for me to be able to bring something down to a word, so I'll share it later, but I've got one word that summarizes up my parenting style and my approach to parenting. I like your numbing the pain, not being a long-term solution. I shared a recent uh, video cast of, I was in Deloitte, I was in their consulting function. So we used, you know, acronyms and best practices, yeah. <laughs> you know, if anybody wants it, I'll try and get it on my website or something like that. But For sure. I, I was the best, pro- I used comfort food, booze. I was watching movies. I was isolating myself. I'd go hide in food courts, but you're right. There's that. It's not a long-term solution. It was the time to do the work. So I started doing the work. And what I realized is the work and that my book, it says how small changes can make a huge difference. That's why it was unintentional. I just started making all these little changes, two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two step backs. And it just over the last 10 years has evolved to where my six legs are. Like right now, I realized that I'd lost myself. And as I started going through there, my mom, I remember when I was younger, Dave reads self-help books and she was doing parent effectiveness training. I'm like, I'm a 19-year-old like guy, for God's sakes. I don't want to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And oh, mom, thank you. I love it. You know, you go throw the book in the garbage. <laughs> so my mom was very loving and caring and she's brought all that. My dad was brought up like a lot of guys died in those days. He wasn't taught to love. He no. wasn't taught to love. His dad had died when he was 17. His yeah. mother never remarried. He didn't see love. He wasn't taught how to love. Meanwhile, my mom was taught. She's trying to teach me how to love. I'm not listening to her. Or I didn't think I was, but I think this stuff was actually going up there and being captured. My dad, you know, he would bring in the paycheck, right? Yeah, yeah. He would bring us on the trip. So he never had the sex talk with me or how to date women or any of that stuff. So here we are going up there. Um, I'm trying to do these, these, these stools. So I got to the point at Deloitte where I turned things around. That partner name's Adelaide. It's in my book, Adelaide Israel. It got me in the right role. All of a sudden, I'm in the right role. I'm back on my feet. Then all of a sudden, my my ex-wife decided, you know, this isn't working. Let's go our separate ways. Mm-hmm. That came up. And then in my book here, it's on May 23rd, looking in the mirror, not liking who was looking back at me. I'm going to die of a heart attack. I yeah. weighed 264 yeah. pounds. It's like I was eight months pregnant. I was on all these drugs. My doctor's going to put me on drugs. I said, if I die and don't leave my, my kids, that was the catalyst to change. And 20 seconds later, I say, I'm getting sick of looking at this guy in the mirror. Yeah. 
So that was my change. I, I dusted off my rollerblades the next day. And since then, I've been slowly moving. And after a couple of years, I was able to take off the weight. I was able to make the physical change. The job was in a good place. I'd taken a couple of years off. I'd seen women. I, I just I just needed to take time off for two years. And then I thought, I'm ready to go out. I'm going to launch my own business. I, I'm going to help other people. I'm like a superman. Look at all the weight I lost. And then went out, was doing something I didn't know. I started getting into relationships with women. All these things. Things I had never learned. So it was like a train wreck when I got out there with a plowing through women. I didn't know how to listen to women. I didn't know how to do anything with women. It was like, wow. And why would you, but why would you, right? Because the thing is, if, if our parents were focused on, I need to put food on the table, right? But I, I, I need to, like, these are the, th- that's my job. I, this is what I do. Um, and so we, if you weren't really taught and you didn't have a role model that showed you why would you know how to do any of this? I like that, the role model. And you know what? Why? You know, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah, right? How well, could I? How why could would I? You, I can't. Right? You wouldn't. Like, you, I wouldn't. Exactly. And, and I and, don't. And I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm doing now because I'm going back. But yeah, I did not. Well, you. So really what you're doing is you reparented yourself, right? Like you kind of said, I have to reparent myself and I have to uh, fix and, you know, heal any unprocessed wounds that I've had in the past that I don't, I didn't even recognize because you thought your job was to go out and, you know, do stuff at Deloitte and you did the best you could. You got your MBA, you went, I mean, you, you, people didn't see this, but I was like going in, in the air, checking off checklists as you were just sort of like going after each thing, you know, and doing each thing, right? We wouldn't have known any differently, you know? So that's kind of cool that, that you realized it. Well, I think what's interesting, I only realized it afterwards I, because I was, because I was, what I was doing was I was trying to suppress my feelings. That's Completely. what I was doing, numbing Completely. the pain. If I, I thought I'll suppress my feelings, I'm good at it because I was not encouraged to deal with my feelings growing up either, right? My dad never shared his feelings with me. Guys don't kind of do that. So I suppressed it. So I was really good at it. So I was good at it. I grew up that way. I had my best practices. So I keep saying I should get a Harvard degree, a Harvard master's degree in suppressing my feelings. Like I'm real, I was really, really good at it. I, I hear it you. Should, it should be acknowledged. Yeah, no, I, I would get the same degree as you. So I, I, so I here totally we got it. get it. Yeah. And, and you know what? What's really cool. And I know you get it. Just the conversations we're having. I'm just picking up that you get it. What's really cool, Sherry. It's a gift because now what we can do is take our masters and do the opposite of everything we learned. <laughs> You right? take the course outline and do the opposite of every. So top- do the opposite. Don't go downstairs and drink by yourself. So it was <laughs> taking exactly. a positivity course. And they say everything like that. It, it's a gift. So that was kind of the gift. But you know what was interesting? The one thing is I don't think I had to reparent myself. It was mm. the one thing that was working and it was from my mom. So all That's of a true. sudden it started true. coming out the loving and the caring And I started reconnecting with my mom and saying, oh, my God, the loving and the caring and and the nurturing and the approach she took. She wanted me to be independent when I grew up. So she brought me up that way. I remember one day coming, it was my 16th birthday, Sherry. She came in with the laundry basket, you know, get my laundry and all that. I remember the white basket. Happy birthday, Dave. I said, thanks, mom. My dirty laundry's over in the the closet, like pitter patter. Let's get at her. Like, it's not going to clean itself. She goes, no, this is your birthday present. (laughs) This is yours. You're 16. You can start doing your own laundry now. So she brought myself up, my sister, my brother. So we're able, I was able to go out there and do all these things because of my mom. And I started using that with my children. Mm -hmm. So my mom starts coming out. The book she shared with me, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, that I said, you know, I'm throwing that one in the garbage the minute I have it. Um, all of a sudden, hey, I can use this now. Like I was 50 years old when I went out and started dating. I didn't know how to connect with the guys, scaring women off. So I started learning other books that she had gave me. So she really started to inspire me as, as her son and inspire me as a parent. To be honest, I started feeling unmasculine. I started feeling effeminate because I didn't realize that men are supposed to be loving and caring and nurturing. And I don't want to go to work because I want to stay home with the kids. Mm-hmm. My kids are more important to me than my career being a father. What is this guy? What am I? Do I go start dressing up like a woman? Like I'm exaggerating a bit here, but it really was a huge 
shift for me to understand that men can be loving and caring and men don't have to go out there and, you know, have a career. It doesn't have to be their number one priority. I'm, the proudest thing for me is, is my kids where I am right now. That is amazing. At what point did you, I don't even know how to ask this question because, you know, you, you started off saying that it made you feel effeminate, but at what point did you realize, like, what, what were you feeling when you said, no, this isn't about masculinity and femininity? Like, what, what, what was that process like? It was interesting because I had gone through, so I'd gone through my clinical depression, got out of that. And then all yeah. of a sudden it was time, you know, I'm 50 years old. What do I do? I've gone through all this change. I told you, I thought I was Superman. I'm going out there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to launch my own business. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to do coaching. I'm going to do personal professional development. I'm going to be yeah. an inspirational speaker. I'm going to help the world. And I just went out there. I just went crazy and I burnt out. So after about three and a half years, I burnt out. I self-diagnosed myself. I've got an accounting background, not a medical, but I, I, I went in, I saw my, my relationship counselor, who is a marriage counselor, but I started seeing her after me and my wife departed. I go, do you want to see the marriage counselor? You dragged me kicking and screaming to a couple of weeks ago. She goes, oh, you go see her. So I did, but I can't call her my marriage counselor because she's my relationship counselor. So she's been there with my change over the last seven or eight years. So anyhow, I went in there and I, I said, I think I'm burning out. She goes, well, here's the three symbols. You lost your passion. You're no longer you know, connecting with people. I said, oh my God, that's it. Driving home, I said, I need to take a break. But to want a break and need a break is different. Yeah. I didn't want to. I needed to. And I guess hear what you. happened? You had, you had no choice. You needed it. You you I, had to take it whether or not you wanted. Exactly. So I needed it. But when, in coaching, what they taught us is if you think you need something or have to do it, you probably won't do it because you don't want to. No, because you're pushing it. You're pushing it away. You're pushing it away. Yeah, right? So yeah. I needed to. So I was pushing it away. And then it's funny. I, I don't believe in the universe or anything like that. I keep... Mm. Saying I shouldn't say it, something's going to break me <laughs> down. Karma. Yeah, don't say it too loud. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was joking. I really believe in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like this hand came down to me. I was driving yeah, yeah. home. I was going yeah. pick up my. It's like a giant hand came, grabbed my car. Yeah. Took my car, and just smashed it right into somebody's house. Got it. So yeah, next thing you know, I'm waking up in an ambulance in the back of the hospital. I had a broken back. I had an epileptic seizure, which I didn't even know I had that. So I was in bed bedridden for like about three weeks. And that's what got me starting to say, you know what? It's time to take a break, Dave. I sat by the pool and started reading my Men Are From Mars books and all that. You know, I was probably reading stuff from Brene Brown and vulnerability and all this other stuff. Amazing. Um, The funny thing is I didn't read any books about men saying that it's okay. It was all women telling me that I was allowed to do all this (laughs) stuff. And for some reason, I listened to all these women because I trusted my mom. My mom was a woman. I trusted my mom. So now recently I've got some books by guys telling me the same thing, but I haven't even read them yet. So I trusted my mom so much. The books that she gave me that, you know what? My mom knew that I was a guy. Right. She was teaching me that stuff. Mm. She didn't have the sex talk with me. She did for some reason. So she had it with my sister. So my sister, now that I'm dating, my sister is feeding me. She's teaching you the sex stuff. She's sharing me this this stuff from my mom that my mom never told me. So it's like my mom is coming at me through my my sister, by the way, is my new best friend. Yeah. So my mom is continuing to help me ever since she passed away at the beginning of my journey. Like, how cool is that? That's amazing. She, she loved you so much and she just found a way to plant that seed with you, come through your sister for you. That's, um, that's love, man. That's love. That is. And I love that word of planting the seeds. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm almost going to change my, my parenting style. I'm going to, or I'm at least going to add that because I want to plant seeds with my kids. I want to plant seeds with them. I want, and but I want them to plant seeds. I want to encourage them to plant their own seeds. I want them to know that I'm there for them. But if they don't want to go to university, if they don't want to be a Harvard law professor, I want them to feel comfortable to trust themselves even though everybody and their dog and all their friends are going off to law school and, 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 and university, and God forbid you don't go to university. I want my kids to think that, you know what, if I feel like I need a year off or I want to go and do something like that, or I don't want to have a pool later on or a cottage, I want them to understand that they don't have to have those kind of things. That's the gift that I want to give. I want to trust in them Mm. enough and provide enough loving and caring for them that they trust themselves. So when they go out there and finally do fly the coop and they're getting pretty close, they're 
almost there. It's a big transition for me that yeah. they're prepared. So I'd say that's my, that was my mom's approach to parenting and it's mine. I love that. I, so I come from a different background where parents often parent from fear as in like, you know, from scarcity, from, you know, security being the first thing. And so a lot of the parenting that I've inherited is more about pointing out things like, oh, well, you should do this, you know, listen to me because I know. And so I really had to unlearn that concept. And, and you said that, you know, your biggest parenting tool is trust, right? You, you, you said it was like the T, it was, it was the trust. And sometimes I have to tell my kids, I have to say to them, look, I believe and trust in you so much. I think you are phenomenal. And you're right, Dave, what you said. If you decide that university is not your path, I can't help it. I might gasp a little bit, you know, just because that's sort of the way I was brought up. But honestly, I think you're going to do just fine no matter what. Okay. Like, I don't have a fear that it's going to be terrible for you. I actually have so much trust and faith in you that I'm comfortable, you, you know, with you making your decisions. And sometimes you'll make mistakes. We all do. That's how we learn. Right. Which is, which is very different from what, what I learned, which is don't make mistakes. You know, mistakes are bad. Um, you know, mistakes are dangerous. Keep your head down. You know, like, so, so I love that that's what you've, you've given your children. Cause it, it took me a while to come to where you are more naturally, you know, in, in your parenting with your kids. Well, it is a journey. It really it is. is. It's that, it is that mindset. And I like how you say parent from fear because I, when I, when I've been exchanging parenting, you know, approaches, I hear the fear coming out. I just, I hear it. I sense it. I see it in the people. Oh my God, I can't, you know, my, my kids are, they don't go to university. They're going to end up, you know, you know, in the streets. So a lot of it's loving and caring. A, yeah. a lot of it is. Some of it's not. Some of it's kind of like, you know, we got the family business here <laughs> and it's been in the family. So it's your obligation to go out and continue it. So there's that as well. So I guess yeah. there's those two things. But there, I haven't come across a whole lot of people out there who say, you know what? I got faith in them. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to go and allow them to do that. But you know what you, you, know what you need before you can do that? Is, this is what I found. This is a test for you. There's a word that enables that. That took me a while to get. I still question myself whether I have it. To me, this is the word that will allow you to have faith in your children and to trust them, to be able to go and do, raise them in a way that a lot of other people aren't and, and still feel as if you're doing the right thing. So the word isn't trust? It is trust. Okay. Ah. We have to trust ourselves. Yeah. So for yeah. me to get that trust, like, yeah. I never had a, a sex talk with my dad or anything like that. I never at school, they didn't. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go have these talks with my son. So I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm letting in my son. I'm dating right now. I want my kids to know that you don't just go out there and meet the first one. You know, you're going to go out there and meet all kinds of people, learn relationships and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm a writer. I'm I'm sharing it in my blogs. I'm talking about dating and they're seeing the dating stuff. It's, it's what crazy. A what a gift. What again? And, but I'm thinking, am I overdoing it? So one day I'm driving my son to work and he says, you know, dad, the other fathers at school aren't sharing the same stuff with their kids. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I, I'm just kind of thinking, what does he think? And he just looked at me, said, you know what? I really appreciate you trusting in me mm -hmm. to share those things with me. I tell you, music, whoa, music. I, almost had, I almost had to pull the car over and just, just, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't cry because I don't cry. I, I just. I'm, I'm. I'm working on that. But you know, I never saw my dad cry, so I just don't think guys cry. I, I would yeah. like to. I've done it a little bit. I yeah. cried the other day. My daughter came and got me and wanted to watch Patch Adams with me, and I just started bawling. Yeah. Oh. And she here's her dad crying, and she came next. She's 15, so it's Emily Rose. Just came next to me and holding my hands. Are you okay, Dad? This is such a good movie. And I actually, oh, what a so I'm 56 and a half years old. I'm finally able to actually cry and have my daughter come over there and, and hold me with her warm hand. It was just, it was just so beautiful. What a beautiful child, and what a beautiful moment. And that's a very moving movie too, by the way. So I can see why that might be the movie that made you cry. <laughs> in my in my book, you'll see I've got a uh, a picture of my movie room. I had a thousand DVDs because one of my other tricks was to go watch movies that would take my mind off it. Totally. But I've got about five or six that are my go-to crying movies. Until I can figure out other ways to cry, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to come my go-to movies to actually cry. 
You know, what's funny as you're saying this, I've never really been much of a crier either. And I, and I do think it's the way we're brought up where, you know, crying is seen to be a weakness. Crying is seen to be something that you don't do because it means that you didn't suck it up, right? Like it, it means that you didn't just get on with it. Um, and the only things that made me cry were, were sappy rom-coms. And, and, and it was the strangest thing because for the longest time, I thought to myself, there is something wrong with me. The only time I ever cry is when I watch, you know, I don't know, Four Weddings and a Funeral or, uh, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding, you know, all the Julia Roberts movies. And as you're talking, I'm realizing that for me, because we've repressed so much of our feelings, it only came out when it was safe. And so, you know, when we're alone or when we're just watching a rom-com, you're so relaxed, you know, that whatever is inside that couldn't get out before, you know, comes out during the movie. Right. Because otherwise you're on, you're, you're on and you're repressing and you're, you're in control. You're making sure that you're, you're being seen the way you should be seen. And I don't mean you as in you, Dave, but I mean like you as in, you know, us in general. Um, but I really resonated with that. I really resonated with that. Not crying. Well, it's interesting. I jot down sappy rom-coms. I'm going to add some of those to my Netflix <laughs> list to watch with my son and his uh, and my and my uh, and my daughter and his girlfriend. So it'd be fun to to do that with them. They're but so there good. are other there are other ways too. So besides the crying, there's other ways. I want to be more mindful of some of the other ways that I, what I are can they? actually. That's my aha mate right now. Mm. Like, I keep telling everybody enjoy life and I enjoy I write a little e, a little n, and then a big j o y. So yeah. to me, I want joy. I want joy. And then I went on a date this past weekend with this woman. So I'm single, so I'm dating. And we just had such an incredible day. And she said, we're going out to my happy places and it's in nature. And it's, it's always, it's, it's in nature. And we went out there and this beautiful view up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. I only looked at it once. I didn't even look at the, either did she, we were so much looking each other in the eyes and talking to each other that we didn't even notice the scenery. And it just got me thinking, you know what, whether I was stopping there and watching the scenery or just there talking and looking her in the eyes to savor those moments. Mm. And it's almost like, oh my God, I got to get rid of my enjoy at the end of my signatures. It's savor. I want to savor this. So my kids are going to go. I'm not going to be able to spend as much time. So I want to be able to savor the time with my kids. Yeah. So the stool that we talked about, even Love though it. my relationship with my kids was really strong, that part of the stool, I think it's going to be stronger now because I'm going to be more mindful to actually savor the time. Yeah. I have my own business now. So I don't have, you know, someone reaching out there and we've got a rush. We've got something out the door on Sunday. You've got to crank in 14 hours a day. You know what? Something comes up. I, I can actually. So that was my business is I wanted to have total control over my business because I want because my priority is not my business. My priority is the people in my life. Mm. So I wanted to have total control of that. I love it. Now, I've gotten scared at times. I've deviated from that path. I feel at my gut. I go, Dave, you're deviating from the past. Yeah. You're giving control back. And it's, it's, a, it's a fear of money. It's fear. I'm, it's, it's a fear. It's that yeah. fear is coming back. Dave, yeah. you've done such a good job on the fear. You're not afraid to be vulnerable. And I still am. Like I share stuff on LinkedIn and people come back and say, why are you sharing that? This is not the appropriate <laughs> forum. And should I go out there and do that? Should I go out there? My book, Sherry, my book, if you, when you read my book, Mm, can't wait, I'm talking about being drunk all like, no, I wasn't, I wasn't fall down drunk. It was just enough to have a buzz. Yeah. Well, you needed it, right? I mean, like you you, you were, you were in pain, you you were in pain, man. Like you were in pain. I was in pain. I'm in the pool with my kids and I spend four hours in there. They throw a ball and they grab it and they'd fall in. They go back four hours straight. Mm. And I just love being with them and seeing that in the four hours. And they were young then. I think my daughter was in her like uh, in her diaper and I had a beer by the side. So it's, I'd, I'd go back, I'd get my beer, I'd go back. So I still have my buzz and I spend the time. So all of a sudden my book, my son says, well, can I read your book, dad? Or it was a blog before I did my book. I have a yeah. blog on my site. Yeah. It was the second one I wrote. It was about me dealing with my alcoholism and all the other stuff. I'm a functional alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic, so I drink mm-hmm. within reason now. Um, so he's gone and read it. So here's my son. I'm driving him to camp. He's reading about his dad always drinking. Yeah. All this stuff he's going through it. He's like probably eight or nine. How's he going to react? 
Wow. He's, I said, I'll read it to you. He goes, oh, dad, where is it? I'm going to go online. He's a kid, right? He's online. He's reading it. <laughs> and he goes, wow. He just looked at me with a big smile on his face. Oh, I didn't know you were like drinking all the time. I didn't know you were drunk all the time. And like, <laughs> he didn't even care. I was with them and spending yeah. all that time yeah. with them. And that was just such a beautiful moment. I, I, I still picture the smile on his face yeah. and seeing that. Look at my dad. My dad. My dad is telling me about how much he loved me yeah. and how much time he's spending with me through a difficult part of his life. Like, oh, my God. Again, Sherry, I almost had to pull the car over. I, got, I, I shouldn't be driving. <laughs> I'm going to run into another house and break my back again. <laughs> I hope not, because that's such a beautiful moment. You know, when when your child just says, hey, you're human. And guess what? I didn't notice the imperfections because I just noticed the joy that we were savoring together. Isn't that amazing? Our kids are amazing, aren't they? I love this. I'm so glad that we're taping all this stuff. I'm jotting down notes. Like as you're going, the words that you resonate with me that you're saying, I'm writing them down, um, but they're all taped. I got to go back. Is that what you're bringing up? You are human, right? We we forget. We're human. We forget we're human. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do these things. They're gonna happen. And you know what? I think that's one of the seeds I want to plant with my kids. That mm. I don't like the word failure or mistake i've taken them out of my vocabulary to me it's you're going to yeah. go out there and you're going to have a learning experience love it and if you don't have enough learning experiences it means you're not getting out of your comfort zone enough to learn and grow that's what's happening it, well if you're in your comfort zone of course you've done it 20 times you're going to do it pretty well right but how is that growing Everybody in my my network, everybody, they're all professionals, right? They all have their paychecks coming in. They've all got their pension plans. So a lot of them are married, have like a lot of money coming in. So for me to trust myself to go out there, like Superman wanted to go out there and help people, for me to trust myself that I can actually do that is a huge journey. It's been six years. You can imagine the trust that I've built up on myself. I think to me, what has got me there is the trust in myself. And to me, that's the most powerful word, the most powerful enabler that I trust myself, that I can go out there and help other people with my story. People come back and they say, oh, you're, you're full of crap. You're just trying to sell your book. You're just trying to make money. At the end of the day, I know that that's not what I'm trying to do because I trust so much in myself mm. and my values. Mm. And my, my values that were instilled to me by my mother, mm. it's like my, my compass that allows me to go through this stuff and trust myself. So I want to transfer the values that my mom shared, which were a gift to me, loving and caring. I want those to rub off on my kids. I want those values. I want them to be able to live those and experience them. And if they want those to rub off on them, that they can take those later. Because that was my mom gave me those values. It was my compass in life. She gave me all these books and stuff. And the only two that the only one is to stay from her library. One is do what you love and the money will follow. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that in my book that has inspired me and kept me going. Mm -hmm. I read all these other books to say that's a load of crap. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't think it is a load of crap. And I really appreciate my mom for inspiring me to go out mm -hmm. there and do that. And I hope that my kids realize that you don't have to go up a certain route and go to Harvard and, and, and get your this. You can do that if you want to. Yeah, yeah. If you want to. But sure. you don't yeah. have to. So think yeah. about it. And everybody's going to tell you it's out of fear. They're going to tell you, you have to do this. You have to use the word. You should. Should. You should. They're shooting. The people are going to shit all over you. They're going to shit all over pull, you. Pull out your compass. Yeah. And trust your heart. Trust your feelings. Trust your guts. And guess what? You're a guy. Shane. Shane Patrick, I know you're a man. You can listen to your heart and all. He's going to say, Dad, I know that. I learned that from you. By putting words in his mouth, he's going to listen to this podcast, Shane. I, I'm sorry, I put those words in your mouth, but I just feel that from him. So many things that you said really resonate. You know, you said that you've been working at this for a number of years. You know, you know, you can do this. You've written your book. You've been successful. And you said, and still, sometimes there are moments. And, you know, and this is something that we've heard before, but courage isn't never having doubt. Courage isn't never feeling scared right like courage is feeling all those doubts and fears and you know knowing that people are going to say that we're full of crap but still getting up and doing it and showing up right like that's courage that's living courage so i i love i love that 
And I just in coaching, we call these aha moments. I'm having a bunch of aha moments with you. I have this little, it's like a picture. I love it. It's this picture of, it's the comfort zone. It's got like, supposedly 98% of people are living in their comfort zone. It's this circle. You can't get out, right? There's a, mm. a wall, for lack of a better word, around you. And there's like 98% of people in there, fear and pain and this and that. And then you've got these other people flying around out and there is no edges. And in my book, I call it my transition from Captain Comfort Zone to Captain Courageous. Yeah, totally. That's it. But I had so much stress on myself to always be courageous and all that. I didn't yeah. realize that as you put it, I'll go back in my comfort zone sometimes. I think I'm in my comfort zone right now as far as going out there and sharing stuff. I've gone in my comfort zone. When I come out of my comfort zone, when Captain Courageous comes with me, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. That's probably why I'm in my comfort zone this day, yeah. these days. So it's time, time to take a break. Yep. Go into your comfort zone. Yep. Recharge. And then come out and bring your courage back because Sherry, I'm not going to be able to share my story with people by just sending out a couple of LinkedIn things to the six people who are following it. I've got to get out there. I got to get my message out. And people say, well, get it to the right people. I don't know who the right people are. So I just have to get it out there. Exactly. That's, that's how you heard of me. I shared something on LinkedIn. You saw me. It had nothing to do with parenting. No. And you reached out to me. Yeah. No, because I was like, I, well, because because I was like, ooh, spot on. Right. Like I was like, oh, I like this, you know, but it wasn't and, a parenting. It had yeah. nothing to do with parenting. Yeah. No, not at all. Right. And and I think that that's, uh, you know, we get we we fear things. And you know what? What I think we fear. We don't always fear what other people say. We fear it when it resonates with the fears that we have. Right. Because if if they say, oh, you know what? You're you, you know, it's a bunch of crap. Well, if you don't think it's a bunch of crap, it would just roll off your back, right? But if you worry that it's a bunch of crap, then you're going to have a little bit of that resonate with your fear. And that's the resonation inside where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, imposter syndrome. And so we just have to really rein that in because it really is our own doubts that bring, our, that bring us down. So um, like you said, sometimes we have to come back to our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to rest. Yeah, our nervous system can't handle like, you know, nonstop stress. And then when you're ready, go be Captain Courageous, you know, and, and do courageous things, even though you're scared. And then when you're tired, you come back. I love that. I lo I've got that in my head now. So I, I love that. Well, what I'm really taking that. away from this, again, you're giving me all these aha moments. Some things just roll right off our back, right? If we really believe in it. You know but it. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, you, but but you don't you don't always. And here's my here's my challenge. And I just did the Myers Briggs. So oh yeah, I'm doing yeah, the yeah. Myers Briggs in my book. I say I'm ENTP, a big thinker. And I ran into a friend, and she knew me, and she's saying, you, you know, you're not. <laughs> you're not a thinker. You're she thinks a, you're a feeler. You're a huge big time feeler. <laughs> And because I had been suppressing my feelings oh, for so long, right, they're right, trying right. to get out. Yes, yes. So I do like, so I, I now differentiate thinking Dave and feeling Dave. So thinking yeah. Dave's thinking through stuff and he helps me process, which is important. Yeah. But feeling Dave is, it's my gut. Yeah. So if something comes up mm. and somebody tells me something mm. and thinking Dave starts thinking and analyzing and thinking the right feeling Dave's is thinking Dave, don't listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Now, when yeah. feeling Dave, though, sometimes yeah. gets so excited and yeah. out of control, he doesn't listen to anything. That's when thinking Dave says, listen to them. Don't turn off your feelings, Dave. Turn off, like don't overreact. Listen to them to learn. Just listen to them. They might have something in there that can be helpful. So I have to be careful because feeling Dave is on a mission and he'll blow anybody away, even if they're trying to help him. So yeah. even though they're shitting on them, so I keep saying get like in um, men are from Mars, women from Venus. John John Gray says, yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want to piss a guy off, give him unsolicited advice. Yeah. So I give. am <laughs> the most sensitive to that, so I have to realize feeling Dave just just goes absolutely crazy. Thinking Dave has to say, settle down. They mean well. Listen to what they're saying. If they're always giving me unsolicited advice, I'm not going to hang around them, right? But at least listen to what they're saying, or just stop them and say, look, you know, be courageous. Dave and say, look, you know, I've, I've been told this a hundred times now, yeah. you know, can we talk about something else? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that those boundaries are really important because yeah. when we know what we need and we know how to take care of ourselves, which may include not being triggered by unsolicited advice by well-meaning people 
who, you know, sometimes they trigger something that that is still deep inside us that we haven't processed. And when, when they trigger that, we can't help it. Feeling Dave is going to come out and go, roar, 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 you know, like I need to protect myself from this. Um, that That's a very normal thing for our nervous systems, you know, to do. You know what Feeling Dave did? It was either Feeling Dave or Thinking Dave. So we've talked a lot about my mom. We've talked a lot about my son. So his name's Shane Patrick. He's 17. And my daughter, Emily Rose, is 15. They're just, oh, just mm. the, the gifts of my life and back in me. Well, they, no one can see that except you. I've got this entry to my home and it's got this, this pottery on it that a, a, this beautiful woman, she's a friend of mine. She's an artist. She made it for me. It's called Memory Lane. And it's got all pictures. It's just all pictures. And I went in there the other day. I don't think there's one picture up there that doesn't have my kids mm. or my mom. Mm. Like to me, my memory lane, it's yes. in you know, my family, my sister, but you know, she lives in Toronto, so I don't see her as often as I'd like. And my dad's in a nursing home right now. My mom passed away 11 years ago. In my book, I talk about, we were both clinically depressed. My best friend, both clinically depressed. She knew it and on meds. I didn't not just mm. staring at each other. But you know what? We have to pick on my dad a bit. Okay. So my dad, what happens as I was getting closer to my mom, the more I got closer to my mom, the more I got closer to my, my beautiful son and daughter, the more I started judging my dad. I understand that very much. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time judging. I was upset that not, it wasn't so much that he didn't like, you know, okay, I'll go out there. I'm going to read all these dating books and all this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, one of my, one of my service offerings is coaching. I'm a people coach. So somebody's going to come up and Dave, I want a new career. I'm, I'm unhappy at work. I'm unhappy in my marriage. I'm unhappy in this. And I want to make a change. And I, I, I'm single. I want to make a change. I go dating. So for me, it's like, I'll go out there. I'll read all the dating books and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's almost like they're tax deductible. It's part of my business. I'll share the stories. Um, so it wasn't so much about me. I'll go learn it. It was, I'm thinking, my God, if my mom is like me, men need, they need human contact. They need it. I didn't get human contact. I cut it off. My ex-wife didn't get human contact from me. I didn't get human contact from her. So I started judging my dad because I know my mom didn't get that loving and caring, which nurtured her. So my hypothesis, and she's passed away, so I can't test it out. So I'm going to have to make an assumption. Was it, and this, my, my relationship counselor, Janet was, you know, this is something we were talking at one of our sessions and I mentioned her by name because I, I told her I'm allowed to, despite our, con- our sessions confidential, yeah. I'm allowed to talk about what You're, I'm talking yeah. in there or, the, or this, this, this relationship ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I was starting really, really judging and upset. And then she said, you know, Dave, your dad, did, it sounds like he just wasn't taught to learn. He never yeah. learned how to learn. Yeah. And his role was to bring in the money. So your mom, you know, they must have come to an arrangement where your dad, and you know what? He's just such a beautiful, kind, my daughter called, he's a cutie. He's just such a cutie. And he would bring in the money. He lost his job in the 80s when everybody did. Unemployed for over a year and a half, every day got on, okay. put on his suit and tie, yeah. and probably went, out the t- and went out there to show us you know, I'm going to go and do that for you. So that was his way of loving and caring. And his love language is gifting. So his gift, guess what his gift is? It's money. Yeah. So Dave, has, you know, I want to give Emily $200 for it. Like, you can't even think of what she likes. He'd never even think of asking, what does she like? No. He doesn't even ever ask Leo what is going on there. He wasn't taught to love and care and think about other people. So he's in there. And I know that he's, I know that he's hurting now that I've been able to stop judging him and start loving him and having empathy. And I still have trouble telling him I love him. So I'll go some, I'll say, I love him. Sometimes it's hard for me to do. I'll say, I love you. And I can hear him trying to say it back. And he is crying. Yeah. He's actually crying because it means so much to him. And I've still struggled to tell him I love him. So anyhow, Janet, uh, if you if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I'm still working on that. <laughs> you know, next next session, although we're, we're doing my dating stuff, but date, we'll do half dating. Yeah. Um, and the other half. And we're also doing a lot of soulmate stuff, I, I which I'm, I'm a big believer in, in the whole concept of that love. So that's the stool that is I've got all this all the legs on my stool mm. that and the other one is still fragile going out and doing a business takes a long time like it does my, it? my my lifestyle is changing i'm going from the large you know deloitte you know the i'm not paying myself as much as deloitte is and i never <laughs> will so my home now is four rooms yeah. 
as opposed to it used to be four floors. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I don't need four floors because I've learned that I'm a people person. I like to connect with people. I like to go to nature. I want, it didn't work out with that woman, but I learned so much. I learned that I like to go out. My happy place is people. And whether it's on a mountain or if it's, so I don't need to stay in a place. In my book, I say it was my comfort zone home. It was keeping me from meeting people. I'm in my man cave watching movies. I got the big screen TV, the kitchen going and all that stuff. The pool out back where I can go sit by the pool and it was beautiful. It was my comfort zone home. It was the last thing that I finally, it took me two years to go through that change. It was a huge change. It's the last almost thing that was holding me back. Well, that's a powerful drug, that cycle of, you know, getting paid well by a big company, probably doing things that you don't necessarily love, but buying the things that showed the world, you know, look, I'm worthy. Look at, you know, look at my house, look at my pool. Like, you know, it's it's just, it's part of this capitalistic cycle, um, you know, that, that we get caught up in. But when you find real joy, you're going to, you, you, you know, you realize that those things aren't really the things that make you happy. Like you, you know, you can have a beautiful house, you can have a beautiful pool, but does that actually make you happy? Like, I don't think so. It's the people, like you said, the people in the house, the people with you in the pool, you know, um, you know, if you're in your man cave by yourself, does that make you happy? Or is it when somebody sits with you and watches the movie with you and cries with you and, you know, debates with you or, you know, or, you know, in our case, like we, we argue about the movies and that's kind of like a fun thing to do. Like, that's what we do. That's for me, a big aha moment because we've, we all spent a lot of our lives from generation to generation, you know, trying to get our kids to be successful in the world. Right. But what success? (laughs) You bring up a good point. So for me, success is that I'm actually able to really enjoy my life with the people I can. I want to spend people. So that's success. When people say, how much are you making? How many clients do you have? Like who? It's totally irrelevant. I worked at Deloitte. Luckily for me, I was able to save up money. So I've got some funding for my business. I'm moving along. I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. So for me, success, if I get up and I have been unsuccessful recently because I've become tired because I've stopped trusting and I've started doing things that I don't like. Interesting. Because I'm thinking, well, I might need the money later on. And then my other part will come back in and feeling Dave will say, thinking Dave, my gut is telling us that you're, you're getting into something that you don't want to be doing. And I can feel it in my gut. Wow. So you get to this point where your gut is going, your gut's your friend. I didn't trust my gut before. We're all coming back to the trust. And we are. trust. We keep coming back to the trust. And I don't want to, I don't want to judge people who have the big cars and the homes. If that's what floats your boat, go for it. But you know what? I meet so many and they just say, Dave, I don't want it. Or they say, I I like this, but I'm really looking at when I retire at 65, I'm going to go do something else. So why are you waiting until you're 65? Why why are you waiting? Because (laughs) I need the money, right? It's that financial fear that keeps them going from the the dreams. But I want my kids and yeah. I did. I grew up in a bubble. So my dad was really great. He brought in the money. For all I know, they stayed as a couple because they did. My mom wanted us to yeah. have a relationship you. and have the pool in the house and we no. can go off to university. I hear you. So for my kids, the house is gone. My daughter, you saw them sneaking out a little while ago. That was her and her friend. I saw that. Yeah. In their bedroom. So she has a sleepover right now. And, yeah. you know, they're in it, but she'll have her friends come. So they're having fun in there. They got the extra mattress. They got, she's got a TV in her room. Yeah. So we're, we're learning. Well, I've got half of my kitchen tables, my office. The other half is my daughter's room. So we'll do homework together. Oh, love I'm, it. I, I'm working in the office. My son comes out and he's, he's, uh, I'll leave my little work aside and I'll go over there and we make breakfast together. We'll have a coffee. He's telling me what's going on with his friends in the dating because all his friends are coming out with their dating problems because his dad's like a life coach. His dad's a people coach in there. He's seeing, he's seeing all this. And because I'm going through dating, I'm all this. So all his friends are coming to him for dating advice. And he's getting, I go, shame. What are you learning all this stuff? He goes, dad, I'm learning all your, your blogs and posts. I'm reading your your stuff, dad. (laughs) 
she's my, my daughter. He goes, well, you're a player, dad. I said, I'm not a player, Shane. You got to get out there and meet all these people. Like, go look at my soulmate stuff. Yeah, no, this, so. that's amazing. So, so we're, I feel bad because it's like, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of our time together for this podcast. We're going to meet again another time. Oh, I but love it. I, I want to know what's your one piece of advice to parents then? Like, what is the one, if you, if you have one thing to share, what's the one thing? Am I allowed a bonus one too? Yes. Always. Trust them. Mm. Allow them to fail. I don't like the word fail, so I cross it out. Yes. AKA allow them to learn Love and it. grow into mm. the beautiful person they are meant to be. And then underneath, I said, it's easier said than done because we are, the fear comes in. So you're going to have to fight your fear and gain the trust that you're doing the right thing. Now, uh, to me, that will be the challenge is people are so loving and caring. The more loving and caring you are, the more difficult it's going to be. I agree. Yeah. So that's my one piece of advice. My bonus piece of advice is, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to plug my book, but I'm going to plug, I, I love books. I got all these books. I'm going to plug another book and that's the love languages. So my bonus piece of advice mm. is a reminder that children have love languages as well. So my mm. question, this is more of a question to all mm. the parents out there. Do you know what your children's primary love language is? <sighs> so mine, Shane, it's gifts. Of, it's being of service big time. And my daughter, it's gifting. So lo- knowing what those are, being able to play to those and sharing what mine are mm. is, is just, so that would be my un- unsolicited. So plugging my books, so I'll plug my Mondays don't have to suck books. Yes, so Mondays I don't have can. to suck book. And we talked yes. about that. Yes. But I'm also coming out with another series of books that I call my A to Z. It was a fellow writer. Her name's um, Sally Morgan. She came out with the book Dating Men from A to Z from Adam to Zach. And I love the concept of an A to Z. And and my love language is words of affection Mm. or words of affirmation in the workplace. And I'm a writer and storyteller. So I've come up with these books. I'm going to have A to Z. So my soulmate, I love the soulmate concept. So what are the attributes of a soulmate relationship from A to Z? I do a lot. I've got people leadership development. So what makes a lousy leader? What is a terrible leader? What are the words from A to Z? What are the behaviors M would be terrible? Micro, yeah, but M would be micromanaging. Sorry. Mike, so there, no, there you go. Thank you. So M is micromanaging. And then I've got another one, unhappily married from A to Z, which I is basically, yeah. I can write two books at the same time. It's the opposite of the soulmate relationships. I'm going to write those two, but it was you reaching out that inspired me. The one that I'm holding it up right now. This is the one that just is touching my heart. I can't believe, and these all correspond to my life coaching categories as well. I've got 16 life coaching categories. Each one will eventually have a book. It's called Parenting Tips from a Dude. A.K. Dad, A to Z. Yes, dudes really love their kids too. And there's a little picture here that my artist friend, uh, Michelle, wrote, did for me. There's a father going. He's got a, a boy and a girl on his arms, and they're both having really fun. So I just started writing that. Feel free. And you're anybody listening in on this, send me as many letters and words and your thoughts and what some of the tips and things that have worked for you for parenting. I'll put them in. I'm going to start sharing them as posts and blogs. So, And I'm allowed to cheat. If there's two or three A's, I'm allowed to put those in. So there you go. So that's that's my ask of everybody. Help me get the word out of what makes what makes great parents by sharing some of your letters and some of your stories and some of your experiences with me. I love it. Thank you so much, Dave. That was so much fun. We'll have to do this again. I would love to. And thank you, Sherry. Thank you for giving me this platform to be able to go and share my story and process. I'm a verbal processor, so I'm processing as we go. So I really, really appreciate And your thoughts, like what you've been sharing with me, the notes, they're the notes. Hey. I'm going to go back. I'm going to have like six or seven notes of things that you said that resonated with me on this podcast. So thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to Sandwich Parenting. Visit us at www.sandwichparenting.com for more stories and drop me a line at sherry at sandwichparenting.com.